I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to Where Laura? Your bonafide. <laughs> Favourite. Favourite. Pop, pop culture. culture oh, we like almost said that at the same time. That's it so so bad. Laura was just saying that one day when she's confident enough, she will intro this podcast. So everyone, but today is not that day. <laughs> Today's not the day. So we sort of did a half and half, which I enjoy because I can see her squirm in our little camera. <laughs> and one, our little camera one day situation. we'll release the footage from these cameras, and it would be. Oh, my God. And it's like, what, Laura in the evening, usually in some type of blanket or comfy something, and me in the morning just having woken up. And I just think it's a peek behind the curtain that the people don't need. It's no. an invasion of privacy, which is what we're talking about today. Oh, beautifully done. There you beautifully go. Beautifully done. But before we get into um, invading everyone's privacy, <laughs> let's invade yours for a second. What describes your week? What describes my week? Well, first, I think we have to give a disclaimer from last week where I told everyone that Miyoka was Stanley Tucci Light's favorite place that he's ever been. And I don't know because I don't listen to these back. So I'm not sure if I just spoke too fast, but I had a friend say to me, I didn't know Miyoka was Stanley Tucci's favorite place to visit. And for everyone listening, it's probably not. This is Stanley Tucci Light is my husband. So, so <laughs> Stanley Tucci Light is like Rupert, who's Laura's husband. He's Stanley I, Tucci Light. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I actually don't know the origin story of it, so I probably shouldn't have started with this. It's just I think that it's you married. They're both bald. <laughs> they're, both, they're both bald. And I don't know, is Rupert a good cook? Is he soft-spoken? What's his deal? <laughs> I don't Neither. <laughs> Oh, so he just basically looks like Stanley Tucci a little bit. If you're listening, sweetie. Uh, <laughs> Love you. Love you. Um, yes, if, you're, <laughs> if you're listening, darling. <laughs> no, it's basically a big compliment because Stanley Tucci is Laura's fave celebrity, like up there with my fave person ever. And she said on the very first podcast, I think it was, that she – married Stanley Tucci Light, which is really I cute. Did. So I that think that's it. the best thing ever. And if anyone out there is listening and you're related to Stanley yeah. Tucci, you're his neighbour. Um, Laura is willing I, to divorce. I, I, I would like to interview him. You're his neighbour. Knocks on the door. Hey, so I've got these two girls, um, different parts of the world, but one of them wants to interview you. Not sure if it's the Kiwi or the one that lives in London. No, but that would be amazing. That's like big manifestation for Laura and she should cook about and her journey on Culture Vulture. Oh, my God. I think once you've interviewed Stanley Tucci, you can quit. Culture Vulture can end. I've peaked. That would be me done, to be fair. Like, there's nowhere to go from that, I don't think. 
There's got to be someone who knows him. Come on, people. Come, us, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, real, pull through for once. No. For <laughs> As if they don't offer up all these stories for us to talk about, like, every week. And we're going, give us one thing, eggs. We're like, tell us about the, like, biggest heartbreak you've ever experienced. And we're like, (laughs) like, no. Meanwhile, who knows Tooch? (laughs) Okay, no, we have to stay on track because this is going to derail quickly. Okay, what describes my week? Actually, I'm going to say my favorite word, community, which possibly describes my week a lot. But uh, no, hear me out. (laughs) One day she's calling me healed, the next day... She's over it. She's not letting me speak my truth. So, for those of you who read the newsletter, hopefully everyone here, um, last year I was desperate desperate for community in London. I slowly have been befriending the fishmongers down the road from us, and I look after their dog now on a Friday, which we've discussed before, you know, was quite insane. They gave me their dog, but I'm trustworthy face i think anyway we went to dinner at their house this weekend they invited us over they cooked like a six course seafood fiesta we drank so many bottles of wine and i was sitting there like how did we end up here i feel like (laughs) i feel like i know these people the amount that i've heard you talk about like i feel like they're my friends and i pray that they listen to this Oh my, because, I don't know if they ever would. No, I don't think they would either. But Sarah and Dan, be- if you're listening. <laughs> Hello, side characters. Thanks for making Laura feel at home. Honest, I was telling people about this at work, though, and they were like, it's giving village, and that's not London. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> what it's is really, going on? It's really funny because, again, I'm going to, like, bait the audience. It Like, you live a really exciting, like, Quite really a random life. But, like, you get to do a lot of cool things, but you come to this podcast every week, and it's really cute because the most mundane thing is what you've enjoyed the most in your week. Like, looking after the dog of the people down the street, or like, I, I made a friend. Like, it's just. I made a friend. I made a friend. Is God, you I know. Maybe kid. I should come back to New Zealand. Maybe it's. No, because you've no. made every friend in New Zealand, I fear. <laughs> so, there's nothing left for you here. <laughs> No, you are. I made a okay, friend. Stop this now. Lucy, what describes your week before I gag? <laughs> okay, three things. Two things are about to describe my week and one thing did. New York and the Eras Tour are about to describe my week because tomorrow Ruby and I get on a plane. It's today if you're listening on the day this comes out. Get on a plane to go to New York. I'm speaking at the World Congress of News Media, um, which was very insane and exciting and cray and thank you Harry Styles for getting me here and um (laughs) we got tickets to go and see Taylor Swift and Phoebe Bridges playing oh my gosh not in New York New York adjacent like New Jersey I think um so basically I'm shook who do you think that you're going to accidentally out on social media while you're there as a couple oh speaking of privacy um, basically just whoever gets in my way of the stage, you are being totally outed. <laughs> just doing a key verb and everyone. If you're kissing in front of me, then <laughs> I'm about to show, show the world. <laughs> no, and then the thing that actually described my week was, and lots of you have seen it on TikTok, um, I took my friend who's going through a breakup 
to oh. Rainbow's End, which is a <laughs> amusement park in New Zealand. I don't. E- I-, I can't believe it's still running. It's like <laughs> honestly, there's so many rides actually, and we at the start went on like the most insane ride that basically you feel like you're gonna fall out of it and you're going is that upside the fear down. Fall? Nah, it's the stratosphere. It's oh no! Seriously, I only like, go on the log flume. Wouldn't not, know. It's closed now. But basically, it was like panic, panic, panic. Like you're gonna die. And then I just, like, it was a good distraction at least. Like, for, she's going through a rough time. But we felt so sick and then we made a really funny TikTok <laughs> about it. And honestly, I still feel like, well, she, I reckon, still got, like, vertigo. I, I, like, it really fucked her up. But it was fun to go on a roller coaster, even though we felt really sick. And, and you know what? That's actually cheaper than therapy. It's like, you think you're going to die from a breakup? Let me take you somewhere yes. where you actually feel like you're going to die. Yes. Let me show you something worse. <laughs> And that is why I am a good friend, as opposed to what I said on that podcast a few weeks ago. I will do the most for you. Um, it's also why I'm really qualified to be hosting On The Feels, because, you know, if yes. you're going through a breakup, come to me. She's your gal. She's got the trickle-down <laughs> therapy. She's got rainbows end in her pocket. <laughs> oh, God. Um, let me do a quick naughty or nice and oh, then please. we'll get into Harry and Megan and privacy and lack thereof. So, Laura, this story actually came out last night and I just thought it was cute and I like all the artists involved, so I'm going to talk to you about it. Stevie Nicks thanks Taylor Swift for writing a song that captures how she felt about losing Christine McVie. Oh. So... Stevie Nicks um, and Christine McVie were in a band called Fleetwood Mac. You've probably heard of it. Daisy Jones and the Six, famously based on. I knew (laughs) that that was, I thought she can't get through this sentence without referencing this. And like in the same breath, in the same breath. Um, And sadly, Christine McVie, who was part of the band and Stevie Nicks' like older sister vibe, um, she passed away last year. So, obviously, this hit uh, Stevie Nicks incredibly, incredibly hard. And this year, during a solo show in Atlanta, this year, literally last night, um, Stevie Nicks talked about Taylor Swift and one track in particular off of Midnight's. She said, thank you to Taylor Swift for doing this thing for me, and that is writing a song called You're On Your Own, Kid. That is the sadness of how I feel. She And then she went on to say that her and Christine didn't have to talk on the phone. They really weren't phone buddies, but when they would go back into Fleetwood Mac and they would walk in and it would feel like, little sister, how are you? And it was like never a minute had passed, never an argument oh. in our entire 47 years. So when it was the two of us, the two of us were on our own kids. We always were, and now I'm having to learn to be on my own kid by myself. So you help me do that. Thank you. Oh, my! I actually and, teared up at that. That's no, so nice. And I've got goosebumps. And I'm just in, a, in amongst all, and we're going to go into this a little bit, like everything that Taylor Swift right now, she's like thriving. She's also facing the most like invasion of privacy of her entire life. Like I just think... Hearing that, validating your art, not talking about your fucking public, whatever you're, not talking about your private life, like hearing someone that she would respect so much, just focus on her art and say something that nice. And I'm just like, they all deserve it. They all. Didn't, I feel like this happened recently as well. She, Stevie Nicks dedicated a Haim song as well to her. I definitely saw that. I think it was Hallelujah. 
Um, Stevie Nicks is on, honestly. I the love OG. that, but also yeah, lifting up other women yeah. as well, like through all of it. And I oh, feel like that's I love what that so much. Taylor is doing on her tour as well. She's like bringing out like all these female acts, like young women at the start of her shows, and like they're bringing them on stage and just like. I mean, she did it in Reputation as well, but they were sort of more embedded, huge artists. I just feel like she is lifting other people up with her and not being like, no, all this glory is mine and mine only. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so that's that's a nice story. That's, that's really that's nice. nice. Um, my next story, very quick. Did you ever watch Zoe 101 growing up? Of course. Yeah. Well, I've written about it in the newsletter, so you probably already know. But basically, there's going to be a reboot, Zoe 102. Oh, and whatever we all feel about Jamie Lynn Spears, I don't want to hear it, it because I <laughs> want this reboot. <laughs> like, I. She loves a reboot. You heard it here first. <laughs> no, that's actually. That's a Famously. podcast we're going to do. Famously. Famously. Do I love a reboot? No, because the Gossip Girl reboot sucked. Ooh. Not everything needs it. And the, and the Gilmore Girls reboot. Oh, the, fucking, the Gilmore Girls reboot. I'm just like, not everything needs one. And Laura and I are definitely going to do a podcast. We have on that, to talk that, about that. It feels like we can just list a lot of them and be like, were they good? Were they not? Anyway, the fact that Zoe 101 is getting a reboot is a nice story because I'm excited for it. <laughs> Zoe 102. <laughs> So we want to do. I would have loved to be around that table. All right, guys, listen up. What are we going to call it? Got a really good name, (laughs) Zoe One Hundred Two. So funny. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But now, Laura, should we get to the main event? I think we're going to have to because we've got to do this in about 10 minutes. So, <laughs> As per usual, we And have- it's a meaty topic. It is meaty. And it's starting off, which I think you'll do a good job of because you live in the UK and it's kind of UK adjacent. (laughs) Harry and Meghan got in what the BBC said, and this is, I wrote about it and I saw it pop up on the BBC, which is why I wrote about it, was a near catastrophic car chase. And then things sort of unfolded and people got really mean and started digging. So basically Harry and Megan and Megan's mum were in New York City attending an event where Megan was getting an award. Um, all of that, obviously, really positive PR. But then the night took a turn when... Um, the couple's spokesperson released this statement. Last night, the Duke and Ju- the Duke, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex and Miss Ragland were involved in near catastrophic car chase at the hands of a ring of highly aggressive paparazzi. This relentless pursuit, lasting over two hours, resulted in multiple near collisions involving other drivers on the road, pedestrians, and two NYPD officers. While being a public figure comes with a level of interest from the public, it should never come at the cost of anyone's safety. Dissemination of these images, given the ways in which they were obtained, encourages a highly intrusive practice that is dangerous to all involved. And so that came out and obviously everyone was like, 
Diana, you know? Mm. This boy already has the probably the biggest type of trauma you could have when it comes to paparazzi and car chases. And, you know, who's to say whether it felt catastrophic to him or not? I'm not here to, like, be the arbiter of truth on that. But what happened next was then all these articles came out being like, we've talked to the taxi driver and we've talked to this and we've talked to this and they're lying. And I was just, like, blown away. I think the different takes on it are so – I mean – I was going to say they're so fascinating, but are they so fascinating given like how we know the media has treated this couple and how, Yeah. I mean, I watched the full Netflix thing that they put out, like, you know, haven't read the book to be fair. Yeah. Probably can't be bothered to read the book. No, neither. But, but I think it's, I was going to say it's fascinating, but it's not because we know that they do this. And I was reading the Guardian put out this piece where they kind of put back to back every single piece of coverage that they could find both in the US and in the UK and kind of in the UK it was like on the cover of like the Daily Telegraph on the cover of the Times on the cover of the Daily Mail and it's you know the words catastrophic are kind of across everything near catastrophic car chase with the paparazzi is kind of across it all but then in the US it's like tabloids such as the New York Post lapped the story up with expected relish whereas broadsheets such as New York Times and Washington Post approached the story with a sense of moderation and I think those are the two takes you're kind of talking about right it's like some people took some quotes from a taxi driver who drove them for like i think it's 10 minutes of the entire two hours and are kind of saying he was like well it's kind of no big deal and then you've obviously got no footage really being released because they've asked for no footage to be released and people saying did they make this up and i just think honestly what you said before is so pertinent to me it's like Regardless of really what anyone thinks about the thing, even the taxi driver who was quoted for this, like, you know, 10 minutes he drove them has said they still seemed quiet and scared. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. If we're feeling scared, we're feeling scared. Yeah. Like, it was near catastrophic. Like, <laughs> like why do we put people through, like, why are you getting in a car chase just to get a photo of them in a car? Like, no. what? is the end goal here. And and with Harry and Megan, no matter how you feel about them, I feel like you have to agree that these two can't win. Like, they talk about, if they talk about the scary thing that happened to them, they're liars or they're wanting attention. They don't talk about it. It happens again because apparently, you know, that's okay to do. So I just feel like, and, and it was really wild to me to see the New York Times and the Washington Post report on this, Obviously, celebrities are public interest. That is what newspapers report on, a large Mm -hmm. part of what they report on. But I just remember thinking, like, it's so not a hot take of, like, have we learned nothing? And then it's also, like, the argument I'm seeing all the time is that they want publicity for, like, their Netflix, like, projects and their books and their podcasts, but they want it entirely on their own terms. And that's the argument, like, people are saying. And I'm kind of like, yeah, any normal person, say you write a book and you want to go and promote the book. You want to promote the book. You want to promote the art. You don't want – you're not then saying, yes, and dig into – like, follow me around, wait outside my home, dig into my private life. like Follow my car for two hours, like, 100%. I'm like, that is such – to me, that's a bullshit argument because – Yes, they want publicity for the things that they're making. And yes, they're based on their lives. But it's still, they're choosing to give us certain things and publicizing that. A car chase isn't, 
Yeah, you can't say, oh, well, they signed up for this when his mum died. <laughs> no, and I think as well, I really don't enjoy – well, exactly that. He he was quoted, and I think it was in the documentary that came out, not the Netflix one, the one that came a while ago, and he said, being part of this family in this role in this job, every single time I see a camera, every single time I hear a click, every single time I see a flash, it takes me straight back, referencing, like, yeah. his mother and when she was killed. And I think, like, what we all – a base level understanding of trauma is that it pops up. There are these things we call triggers. And like, regardless of, it's not for anyone to judge basically what they were feeling in that moment. And it's like, it's only catastrophic if something happens. Near cat- catastrophic apparently is like available for everyone to kind of pick apart and decide. Yeah. And I just don't think that that's right. I do think what is very interesting is kind of the paparazzi's response to all of this, how they've kind of, a lot of these organizations have kind of issued statements or they're launching investigations, which I haven't seen much of before. And it almost feels like, I mean, there was a quote that I think was in a the cut article and it said, per TMZ, uh, Backgrid also claims the Sussex's legal team sent a letter demanding the agency immediately provide them with copies of all the photos, videos, and or films taken by the freelance photographers during the alleged chase. Backgrid has den- apparently denied the request, firing back with their own letter. In America, as I'm sure you know, property belongs to the owner of it. Third parties cannot just demand it be given to them as perhaps kings do. Which, it's all a bit icky that's that i know that's hella icky and i i listened to a podcast about this um i can't remember what it was called something some again someone else that is like a royal watcher or something and that's another point a lot of people sort of justify invading these people's privacies because their jobs are literally like a royal historian a royal commentator a royal watcher and i get that because we're like pop culture podcasters it's hypocritical for us to be like there shouldn't be jobs commentating on things like this but it's also in these people's interests for harry and megan or people in the royal family to stay the villains or stay the like winners but in the podcast i was listening to they spoke about how in the uk um it's illegal to use photos that have been obtained Mm. intrusively like in a car fucking chase Mm. like this i just and based on what backgrid said there it feels like maybe that's not the same in the u.s yeah i might be wrong i'd be really interested to look into it but i think what we'll talk a lot about today is this idea that when someone's commoditized and they're no longer seen as a human being or seen as a person or seen as someone with fears and anxieties. And I think that's a little bit like you talked about it slightly earlier with Taylor Swift as well. It's this idea of like, what do celebrities owe us? And when do we stop seeing them? Or when do we decide that we can navigate those boundaries? Like, you know, the argument that you just discussed of like, Harry and Meghan owe it to us to let us take pictures of them because they want publicity for Netflix. It's like, okay, does Taylor Swift owe it to have people queued outside her house? Like, It's so interesting. Like, I feel like I always fall back on we like them for the thing that they make and we like they owe us that. If they're making money off, off of like music and touring and movies and things and we like them a lot and like we want more behind the scenes footage, we want you know, blah, blah, blah. If they're making heaps of money off of their art, you know, that's the one thing they owe. Like, that's what they're choosing to give us and that's what we are quote-unquote owed because we've often paid for it or chosen to watch it. What I did want to talk about was on TikTok, 
I scrolled past literally like hundreds of people live streaming on TikTok waiting outside the music studio that Taylor Swift was in. Like I was just like, why am I just scrolling and now suddenly I've like sat here for two minutes because I'm trying to figure out what on earth you're live streaming and oh, it's just people waiting outside Taylor Swift's studio being hounded and now some random girl in New Zealand is like Mm. watching it. I just, it's such a scary invasion of privacy and I just wouldn't, celebrities are just going to like start hating their fans. Like that's kind of what I think will happen. Like Phoebe Bridges, yeah, just talked to the Wall Street Journal today about creating boundaries with fans and said, there's a higher chance that you'll meet a fan that you hate than a fan that you love. You're way more likely to be confronted with someone who just violated your privacy. And that's because she was confronted by fans when she was trying to, I think, go to her father's funeral or mourn her father. And she was just hounded by fans. And she was like, if you're doing this, you're not a fan of me. You're ju- you, you, this is not proving that you love me or you like me. This is actually really hurting me. And then something else interesting that I didn't think I was going to bring up today is that recently at Taylor Swift concerts, they like a bunch of fans have been doing what's called the Marjorie Project, and Taylor Swift sings a song about her dead grandmother, and it's a beautiful song. But during it, fans have decided to print out these big photos of her grandma that they've gotten from the internet and hold them up. And there's a bit of debate online about it. But I watch that and I just think that is not what you would want if you're standing on stage singing a song about your – I mean, unless you've said that you want it. Like, I find that an invasion – of privacy. There's also a video of your mum holding up a photo of Marjorie. And I'm like, okay. that's fine. That's yeah. like your mum. Yeah. And I just think, like, I just think I obviously love being a fan of things, but with this latest era, no pun intended, mm. watching what's happening to Taylor Swift right now, I rewatched Miss Americana to hear her talk about this. Yeah. And she literally said something like, resonating with your lyrics is one thing, breaking into your home is another. Yes. And that's, like, as simple as it is. Like, these people have talked about it before. We just don't listen. I think exactly that. It's, like, you can you connect with someone's music, you connect with someone's, like, films, their books. But it is hard. Like, you do also feel like you know someone when you yes. see these things. Social media has opened up this whole other world where – a lot of the like people that we really connect with is because they offer us some level of vulnerability. And I suppose it can be hard to kind of navigate where that line is. But equally, I think what you just said about Phoebe Bridges, I like kind of can't shake that from my mind because it's like, okay, what are you as someone approaching her on the way to her dad's funeral, getting out of that interaction? And why is that? And that moment you're putting that need higher than someone's need for, I don't even know, privacy like yeah I feel like and it's quite understandable because you're in these like when you see someone that you absolutely love and you adore obviously your emotions are so heightened Mm. and your like judgment totally is like you're not in your normal frame of mind Mm. but like there just has to be a way that you can somehow pull yourself out of this like oh, my God, I love them so much, and be like, okay, 
let me practice a little bit of empathy or like let me just pretend I'm them for one moment mm. Mm. and and I don't know just not do the thing that's gonna freak them out or like put them in danger I think it's a putting in danger but equally I mean looking at so take Harry and Meghan for an example right like the issue here is that they were being chased by these paparazzi or allegedly chased, whatever. They were paparazzi. They were them in a car. Like, they – that's not fans running after them, trying True. to, like, meet them. And it's, like, the images that would have been taken from that interaction should they have been distributed, like, or taken from that whole scene – those images, if you were a fan of Harry and Meghan, you're probably not going to interact with those images. So what? who are those images yes. for? It's it's like for a takedown. It's, it's exactly. Like, yeah, and that is, that's the danger thing, right? Like this, that's just invasion of privacy for the sake of literally, I don't know, putting someone in danger. And yeah, that's such a good point. Who even wants those images? And I think that this has obviously, as the internet has grown and formed into something new how we interact with celebrities not a hot take definitely has but I'm thinking about like One Direction who when they were first coming up it was when Twitter was first coming up there was video diaries they gave so much of themselves they Mm. were doing Q&A's ask me anything like whatever all the time and then they sort of grew up and the internet changed and they stopped doing that because one, because they already had their fame, which they do owe to the fans. You know, you you can owe your like come up and your fame to the fans, but you can also be like, oh, I no longer feel safe um, putting all of my life out here and like mm. pulling it back. It's mm. like so fair enough to like pull it back and want to then go and lead somewhat of a normal life. Kind of like how Dolly Alderton talked about how she regretted writing a lot of everything I know about love. Yes, Because I once know. you put it out there, people feel like they're owed all your, all your secrets. Yeah. And I just think we yes, need to be normal such, people about it. That's such a good point because she said, you know, she doesn't like to write intimately about like her romantic life and she's actually quite private about those things. But people are like, what do you mean? You did the book where you talked about sex and you did the, you know, and it's like, well, I did, but I chose what I put there. And equally, I can choose what I share with the world. I was watching actually (laughs) the other night, like old, it was like an old Graham Norton episode Mm. and it was Taylor Swift was on it and she was talking about when she did the fan listening parties. this I think this was really old, mm-hmm. like a rerun. And she was talking about how, like, she'd find the fans that she wanted to come to these things at her house, which I'm sure, like, we've all seen she does these listening events at her house, and I think it's, like, a brilliant, brilliant thing that she does to give back to her fans. And they were kind of making fun of her, and they were like, well, how do you pick these fans? Like, are you insane? You're inviting fans to your house. And, like, she was saying she'd, like, she wanted to pick fans that maybe – had been trying to get tickets and had just never, ever managed to meet her at a concert or go to a concert. And they were like, how did you find them? And she was like, well, I'd see it from them on social media and I'd watch them for months. And they were like, this is crazy. What are you talking about? And it's like, you that's hear- what they're doing to me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But also it's like, you do hear that and you're like, wow, okay, you invite them into your home and like you give back to your fans. And then on one level, you can then expect people would be like, well, it's an open, open door, yep. baby. Yep. Like, yep. but I think... Again, it's like exactly kind of what you said about Dolly Alderton. It's like you choose some things to share and mm-hmm. you choose some things to hold for yourself. And it's navigating that line that possibly is becoming blurrier and blurrier. And I mean, 
we're not even we're actually about to re-upload our two-part series on Taylor Swift which goes through all of her music and sort of her, how the world navigated her dating different people and how sort of awful they were about it at times because when we're talking about privacy Taylor Swift's relationships has been like the biggest fucking like good on her for continuing to date because I just think after recording you'd, you know you'd give those, up yeah recording those episodes and going through what she went through with every single person she's ever tried to date I just do not know how she has managed to stay so like so giving like she gives us so much like her shows her music she has continued to serve in all senses of the word because she serves but I, I just I don't know. She, I mean, she always sings about, like, the lucky one. She talks about just moving away one day, just going going and living in the country or just, like, moving out of the big city lights. And I'm like... Touching some grass. Touching some grass. Selena Gomez's documentary. If I was Selena Gomez yeah. after watching that, I actually was like, why are you still, like, in this industry? What's it giving you except for pain? Like, go and move touch away and touch some grass so I don't know that's a bit of a tangent but I'm just like celebrities what do you lose I feel like because I think the thing that Cisco does beautifully is it celebrates fandom so much and in like such an amazing way as a like as a Maddie Healy fan as a Harry Styles fan like you are diehard fan if you saw them on the street I like what would you do don't think I'd be brave enough to go up to them and I wouldn't want to like annoy them for I always think about like mm. I would like to meet you in a setting where I could possibly interview you or I could ask you something I yes. wouldn't want to have an interaction where you were like so tired and like fuck that was like I would like to see them in the world I don't think I would go up to them honestly and genuinely I don't think I would go up to them what would you do what would I I think I'm similar to you and I, this is such a, I don't know, this is such a boring take on myself as a person, but like, we've talked about this before. I value like authentic connections so much that yes. for me, I think if I were to see someone I was like a diehard fan of, for me, it would be, oh my God. Okay. No, I can say exactly what I did. I saw Stanley Tucci on the stage and I like, when I went to that talk with him and it's like I was like I'm yeah. gonna ask him a question because I wanted like on a, an actual connection point with him and my yes. question was about me and Rupert falling in love and he toasted us at the end because I was like I want to yeah. actually see something of this person and for them to see something of me and that yeah. instead of just yeah. them being like oh they just want to take yes. a photo with me and but equally I think there is a place for that as well like you know so many artists and actors and everyone love taking photos with fans and like people line up for hours to do mm-hmm. that and that's also fine I think it's when it's in your own personal space that we're discussing right exactly yeah and and also like people that are trying to really break through in whatever field or art they're doing they like they do need to grind, and a part of that grind often is um, putting your boundaries down a little bit so that you, you know, can go out and take photos with fans and then people can say they were so lovely and their music's great mm. and, then, you know, like obviously there's marketing involved and it's at the start of your career if that's how they want to choose to do it. There is a bit of like, okay, it's like part and parcel. You do need to go and connect with these fans, but it's like I think maybe a good way to end this segment is – 
I put a poll on Siska today that was like, do we owe celebrities privacy? And sometimes I do polls just, I don't really care about the outcome. I just want people to Mm. think about, think about the question like, and relate it to something that's going on in the world. So when they looked at this, I wanted them to think about Harry or Megan or Taylor Swift in the recording studio or whatever they've seen lately and be like, oh, yeah, that is a bit fucked or no, that's fine. And so at the moment, it's only been up for two hours, but 88% of people have said, yes, we owe celebrities privacy and 12% have said, no, we don't. And a lot of that 12% I can see in my DMs is people being like, fuck, I pressed the wrong button. Like I, that we- I was going to say that 12% surprises me. I feel like Cisco fans are all quite respectful. Yeah, but I think... When you follow us on Instagram, you often don't follow us because you like us. Like, I think we have a lot of Instagram followers that just like to troll. I find that, I mean, oh. the Instagram comments are just never a nice place to be. Um, yeah. I'd say if, well, like, if I put yeah. this in the newsletter, it would be like 100%, yeah, we owe them privacy because yeah. we talk about that yeah. all the time. But I just, yeah, I think it's just worth having a think about next time you see a not even paparazzi photos because more it's more these days a tiktok video of someone in a restaurant or you know yes. just be like i think the the main thing here everyone is consent yeah like did they consent to getting their photo taken did they consent to taking a photo with you did is this a space in which this feels appropriate like and if it was you would you like that happening to you people write phd's on this like people literally someone replied to my Twitter poll being like, this is not mundane. Like, I literally know people that have written PhDs on what celebrities owe us and what we owe mm. them. And so us doing it for 30 minutes in a podcast is obviously not going to answer all your questions, but hopefully just, like, pose some, which is what it's we a thought say. starter. It's, it's a, a thought well, starter. There'll be a part two, three, four, five, six. There'll be a part <laughs> forever of this as the internet moves and celebrity changes. But for now, Laura, what's on your radar, girl? On my radar, there's one thing and one thing only, and we both know what it Same. is. Succession, Succession finale. <laughs> Honestly, we talk about this every oh, week. But, oh, uh, it's the best thing ever for TV. I, every, what day does it come out in New Zealand? Sunday? Monday night. Monday night, yes. Yeah. So it's Monday night here. Every Monday night. Oh my goodness. It just, the election episode was just, I was on the edge of my seat. That entire thing. It was so well done. I said to Duncan the other day, if you're watching season four, you know that there's like the election episode that happens and then there's another big event that happens earlier in the season. The election episode is 100 times better than the other episode that everyone's talking about where the big thing happens. In my opinion, this was one of the best bits of TV, of succession. Ever. 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 And I said, I think it was their strongest episode ever. It made me, I wanted to rewatch it like straight away. Yes. No, I'm shook. And so we have the, not just season finale, series finale, because there's only going to be four seasons of this show, which is so chic to do, to like end it on a high, right? But, oh my God, it's amazing. And Duncan and I, because Laura's away, Duncan and I are going to be doing a recap, um, like we did at the end of either season two or season three, we're going to do another one. Um, And I'm just excited. I just want to say, last time I went away, she interviewed Heartthrob from Jury Judy. I know. This time I go away. It's a succession recap. I'm missing the good bits. I got to say. It's, I know, just 
stop going to Greece and me and I'll stop going to Greece. <laughs> As always, everyone, thank you for tuning in to another chaotic episode with Laura and I. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Become a close friend if you want to come to New York and come to the Eras Tour with us. But otherwise, see you in a few weeks. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.